G'day everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Australian Property Investment Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Christie David, and today's guest is joining us all the way from beautiful WA. G'day, Craig Francis, how you doing? I'm very well. How's things? Mate, wonderful, thanks. Wonderful. So Craig, in your role, you're the editor of the Australian Property Investor magazine. That's right. Yep. So what we're going to do is go through the latest property sentiment report, which has just come out. So for people that are listening, we'll include a link to the to the report that's come out. We're going to unpack it and go through, and when I talk about sentiment, this is the big driver I feel for property investors. So this is slightly different to what we normally do, but this is jumping on some research and some findings about what investors are feeling, seeing, and planning to do in the market as well. So before we do kick off, Craig, just take us through a little bit about yourself personally, professionally, and your, and your journey to date. Yeah, um, I've essentially been a journalist for most of my adult life, with the exception of some of those formative backpacking years. Um, yeah, uh, Korea's taken me from Dubai. Uh, I was there for a few years in the late 90s and then into London, uh, where I worked for a lot of the tabloids. Uh, ended up with a job with CNN when they launched their online uh, operation. And CNN then took me to Hong Kong and I spent a good 10 years there working for CNN.com, uh, their international division, and uh, editing their online site. And then, um, yeah, a few years at the South China Morning Post and back to Australia. And I find myself now a couple of years into this role. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, I mean, how do those roles, how does that lifestyle compare to Australia? And I guess it's a leading question because I'll ask another one in a second. Uh yeah, it's different. Um, it, they're all very different places as well, Dubai, London, Hong Kong, but they all had that big city feel that I guess Perth didn't have back then, uh, but increasingly has now. Uh, so, yeah, they're all pretty much 24-hour cities and Perth, you know, was one of these places that didn't have Sunday trading and all that when I left and it was a little bit of a sleepy hollow, but I think that Dolesville tag is well and truly um, being lifted now and We'll cover a bit of that in this report, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's good to be back. It's a different pace of life and very beachy and casual and good place to live. Awesome, mate. Yeah, I guess it's a leading question because when you look at it, I mean, Australia, what a lucky country we truly are. I mean, yes, the real estate is relatively expensive, but when people go to look at buying an investment property, which is exactly what the report covers, there is so much opportunity for investors that they get in this country that may not be afforded to them in those other markets as well, right? Yes and no. Um, that's definitely true. But then by the same token, um, Australia, you know, certainly Sydney and Melbourne real estate's in the top 10 in the world for, um, you know, a lack of affordability or expensiveness. Yeah. So it depends. Australia is as big a market as the world is a market itself. And, you know, you'll find that, the, you know, the markets around the country differ greatly. Um, yeah. Uh, internationally, the biggest difference I noted is that is we have a fixation here with houses, and again that comes up in this sentiment report, um, and that's something you don't see overseas. Everyone's sort of living in apartments, units, you know, maybe a villa if they're particularly well off. Houses in all those sort of cities I've lived in were um, a luxury too far for most. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that probably has to do a little bit with like the apartment layouts here? I mean. Standard you're probably getting is one bedroom, one bath, car, two bedroom, one bath, two bedroom, two bath, if you're lucky. But we don't really see that intergenerational style, which is three or four bedroom bar, um, apartments as well, which you maybe get throughout Asia 
for example, South America has that um, where you might get a mum, dad, a couple of kids and maybe a grandparent that can live in an apartment where you don't get traditionally a lot of three or four bedroom units. Is that fair? Uh, it, it probably is. Yeah. The, the, uh, in the unit market in Australia tends to be driven mostly by the two bedroom. Mm. Um, so in, yeah. The one beds don't generate the sort of capital growth that the two bedrooms are generating. Um, but you know, the size thing as well comes down a lot to the markets. If you've got a particular suburb sort of profile, that's very family driven, then the, the bigger, maybe the three bedroom or more of the penthouse type or the townhouse becomes more of a viable option. Um, and then, you know, usually the closer you get in towards the CBD, um, the more you start seeing these two bedders, um, yeah. The, the single, the studio is a bit of a rarity, whereas, you know, I spent 10 years in Hong Kong where studios and one beds were really common. And the other thing you would find overseas quite often was that in an apartment size that we have here, where we'll have two bedrooms, um, you know, places like Hong Kong, they'd squeeze in four bedrooms and a mate's kind of kitchenette area. And so they tend to live small and plentiful so while you might have the intergenerational kind of momentum going on there they're living in very very small living spaces compared to what australians are used to yeah i agree i agree it's the irony isn't it and i think you even mentioned before about sydney and melbourne but you go hey brisbane's actually pips melbourne at the post of median house price as well so you'd almost go like that's well, it that's the ranking started a bit that in itself is um, an interesting t- statistical kind of conundrum or enigma. Um, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's, it, I haven't really seen it before, but Brisbane's median value is higher than Melbourne's. Yeah. But the median house price in Brisbane is lower than Melbourne. The median unit price in Brisbane is lower than Melbourne. But the overall median is higher in Brisbane. And that comes about because you, the units are more plentiful in Melbourne and they drive Melbourne's overall median price down. So in a sense, Brisbane is still cheaper cheaper to buy um, if you want a house or a unit, but the overall market is, you know, reflected in that sort of unit profile of Melbourne. Nice you said. Nice you said. Thanks very much. So let's jump into the report. So I guess if you take away some of the key headlines from here, the big findings, what would you say the big uh, the big insights have been from this report, Craig? Yeah, a few things jumped out. Um, one of the, the biggest shifts I noticed um, was this long-term planning. I think it reflects well for the property market overall, is that there was a huge leap in the proportion of our respondents saying their main property investment strategy was to position for retirement. Um, now, probably a, a year ago, um, we had about 5% of respondents thought, you know, retirement was the sort of focus of their their property journey. Um, that's more than quadrupled now. Um, that's 19%, well, almost quadrupled to 19% of our respondents. So uh, I find that quite compelling in light of the fact that um, our readership's quite young. Mostly we have a predominantly 25 to 44 would be the biggest sector of our readership. So the fact superannuation's on the radar for a young readership's quite telling. The fact that it's gone up so much is compelling um and i think as well the the sort of the fact that you know probably a year ago we were in a space with record low interest rates or maybe a couple of years ago um 
now with you know high interest rates, affordability issues, um, the fact that people are actually thinking long term and not just that kind of daily battle to survive through the cost of living crisis and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, I found that quite a compelling sort of uh, finding in the report. Mm-hmm. Another factor would be um, WA's uh, resurgence. It, a couple of years or probably a few years ago, it was quite up there on uh, investors' targets among you know where they would invest in what state. And Queensland has retained that position at the top of the tree uh, and it's done that for a few years now. But, um, yeah, WA has now overtaken New South Wales as the, the kind of state of choice for investors. Um and we, we see that here, like if I if I go to a home open or something, there's there are literally just queues, um, not unlike the queues you get for a rental property in Sydney, we've got those at home opens here in Perth. And, you know, I've spoken to agents who've got interstate buyers effectively on speed dial who as soon as a property comes to market, they're just phoning that interstate buyer and that property is getting gobbled up by an interstate investor before the locals even get a look in. Mm. So, yeah, so that sort of reflects that shift in sentiment. Um, And probably one of the other uh, uh, sort of smaller things, but um, refinancing as well. We've had record levels of refinancing in the last couple of years um, and, well, certainly in the last six months. And 60% of our respondents who've experienced that shift from the lower fixed rate to the higher variable rate 60% 60% of those are now considering refinancing, which is, you know, if you translate that into the wider market, that's a, there's huge ramifications for the banks, for the economy. Um, yeah. Mm, I'm sorry. Do, when your uh, boots on the ground kind of helps when you're in, in Perth, for example, is there anything that would slow that momentum? Because I guess a lot of people on the, uh, on the East coast are then going, Perth kind of had that board where picked up and it dropped off for exam went quiet for a number of years how did how does perth maintain that kind of momentum over time because i can't assume that supply will keep up with this level of demand so is this something you'd see continue for for some time or what are your thoughts um have, i've spoken to the president of rewa cathart about this and the consensus seems to be that certainly this year we'll see this pressure you know they're probably talking double digit price growth again for 2024 um the supply is just historically low there's you know there's just a dire shortage of properties rents are going through the roof and that's you know reflecting that shortage of investors in the market with rental properties so that supply is low um and that in itself feeds the investor kind of frenzy if you like because people are chasing those higher rent yields as well as the higher capital growth if i saw a downside to perth it's that Possibly like, you know, people say, if you want a safe investment, don't invest in mining towns because they're so, you know, they fluctuate with the market. Yeah. And I think Perth still to economically is just a very large mining town. So if there was some sort of global, you know, uh, rupture that occurred that, you know, if China stopped importing the ore to the level they are and their housing crisis kind of lends itself to that a little bit. Um, yeah, I think if if we saw commodity prices dropping quickly, then the steam could come out of the Perth market fairly quickly. Mm, thanks so much. 
um, sentiment. I mean, this is what the report's called, property sentiment report. So what if you sum up the sentiment in there, um, what do you feel? Because, I, I mean, having a read through it, I'm like, there's some, there's some optimism in there, isn't there? There is. Uh, it's quite striking, actually. The I think the the biggest takeaway from the report is that if you know if a market is based on supply and demand, the the demand is there. Um, I, the report sort of revealed that buyer intent is far higher than the seller intent. So we had twenty nine respondents indicating they would like to buy in the coming twelve months compared to just 13% who were looking at selling. So it sort of says, you know, the, the sellers are holding, the buyers are clamouring, and I think that's, you know, very much what's driving the market from a sentiment point of view. Uh, I would also say that, you know, with historically high interest rates um, and inflation still sitting well above the norms, you, you could kind of be excused for thinking that the financial landscape might sort of, temper the mood among buyers but you know the fact that it's the sentiment's held its ground so much over the last quarter and it's actually risen over the, the last year it's um yeah it's quite interesting absolutely yeah exactly that was one of the key stats that i pulled out so you know 21 percent of buying investment property in the next 12 months you overlay that with you know there's record low supplies like you're saying i think we're at 10 year you know 10 year low uh, in building approvals and starts uh, high uh, international migration into Australia, stage three tax cuts. There's talk, and I say this thing, talk of possible rate cuts at some point through 2024. And all that points to, I guess, greater consumer confidence. In there, you probably go go back to last year, 2023, I feel like I call it a bit of a bum steer. There was no fixed rate cliff, you know, 13 rate rises since May 2022. And last year, we experienced an average house price property growth of 8%. So people sitting around going, hang on, 2023, if, this, if the market was impacted then with all that happening in the background, we're then going, hey, they've missed out and prices is still increased. And now they're going, 2024 is probably the year that we need to jump in here and, 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 and to take some action. It's, it's hard to ignore that. I think you've, you've probably hit it on the head. Um, I would say it's... I don't think we can fully dismiss the impact of um, mortgage and rental stress. I think it, it is, yeah, good point. you know, a big factor. It doesn't, admittedly, doesn't seem to be coming through in property prices, but we have seen, you know, Melbourne stagnating, Sydney's coming off the boil, and they're the two biggest markets. Um, you know, uh, from our report, we saw that um, more than a third of our readers and our readership leans heavily towards, you know, people who are very interested in property by nature. So they tend to be investors and um, we've got far more sort of investor readership than perhaps first home buyers. So when you've got that sort of readership saying that 36% of them are um, under mortgage stress, you know it is a, a genuine issue. But as you said, um, you know, it's the sentiment's still there. People are People are still leaving in property prices are generally rising and i think ultimately that gets down to the supply issue there's and that's why governments are so focused on it now there's all these schemes and initiatives trying to you know encourage first home buyers give everyone a foot on the ladder um yeah different states are doing different things changing you know planning regulations and allowing granny flats to come in without approval 
So there's a lot of measures underway to kind of alleviate that supply issue. But until that's done, I think we will continue to see prices, you know, under pressure, at least for another year. Correct. Let's have a look at the graph. I'm literally just trying to find this now. This was all about, give me one second. Uh, I'll just dig this up. Affordability concerns. So affordability, and I'll, I'll find this graph, a graphic and put it in there as well. I'm looking mm. at page eight, uh, if anyone can jump in there. Quarter three, 2021, which is almost the peak that was through the roof of 15%. We're now seeing that drop back to its almost lowest level that was seen since quarter three, 2024. So affordability concerns to me, it shows that now people are going, hey, look, I think we've got the ability to get into the market, even though rates have gone up a little bit more. Is that kind of what you've you've picked up from that um, from that response there as well? Yeah, um, it is. It, it is interesting. It's probably at the lowest it, it's been for a few years, as you mentioned, and that's you know that's quite remarkable given that prices, house prices, unit prices, property prices in general are at record highs in a lot of places are at peaks yeah. or if not they're near them. Um, interest rates, despite the prospect of them coming down late twenty four, maybe early twenty five, there's still another year ahead of relatively high rates. Um, a lot of people have jumped from that fixed to variable where they're you know gone from two percent to six percent. Yeah, so. I I would it was one of the more surprising kind of um, findings in the survey I thought this this quarter and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see that actually ramp up a little bit as 24 goes on um, forecasters right. notoriously wrong all too often but that that would be my take um I think as well if you if wages remain flat interest rates don't come down quickly house prices keep going up then you know, it's sort of hard to see how that that sort of you know that that feeling towards affordability won't shift to the negative at some point. I agree. And then you look at the one, another one there, page ten, intention to buy in the next twelve months. That has been like oscillating over the last you know, call it year, year and a bit. Um, but again, this is going back to to levels that we saw in say quarter three, twenty twenty one. Again, that peak of uh, the peak of the boom and you go, well, that's where people's heads at that they're intending to buy in the next 12 months, which almost is a signal. It's a lead indicator that the market's really going to get some steam coming back into it and more confidence for buyers coming in as well. Yeah. Hard to ignore. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Um, affordability, like I guess your, your take on the market, you've, you've done this for some time. Um, what have you seen from previous reports to now? What, what's, what's shifted? What's changed for the better, do you think? Um, I think uh, it, if anything, it's shown me there's a lot of resilience in the market. Like we've touched on a lot of those issues that people are having, cost of living, inflation, interest rates, mortgage stress, the mortgage cliff, um, high property prices, you know, rental crisis, housing crisis. We've seen the headlines and yet here we are, you know, 12 months down the track reporting on peak property prices. So there's definitely something going on in the market that goes just beyond those those sort of variables. And, again, I think it comes down to a lack of supply. We've got record migration. I don't think that can, you know, population growth is, is probably one of the, the great sort of unsungs of this whole story that are, you know, more people come in where, you know, we've got 
the Albanese government has said it wants to build 1.2 million houses in um, five years. That's already pretty much derailed. We've the figures came out this week that we've we built closer to 165,000. So with a shortfall of about 40,000 year houses a year, um, you know that's that's pressure on the market as well. Yes, but and I guess yeah, I guess just on that as well. One of the other the sort of big surprises I found was just in the types of property that people are interested in now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we've got a situation now where, you know, despite everything we just said, um, you would think units and townhouses and villas would be coming to the fore as people just clamour to get into any affordable price, they, price range they can reach. But the sentiment report this quarter kind of blew me away a bit where houses had just went through the roof as the priority purchasing building type compared to units and all the other things. Um, so we've seen at the start of 2023, we had about 21, we had 21% of survey respondents identified detached houses as their buying preference for the year ahead, buying units and apartments at 24%. Um, you know, 12 months down the track, it's just a huge reversal in the face of all those kind of obstacles we talked about. Um, houses have more than doubled to 45% of the people's sort of priority and units have slipped back five percentage points to 19%. So while there's a lot of numbers in there, essentially what we're saying is that, you know, there's just a massive shift towards houses, whether that's because people are focused on capital growth and houses have historically delivered that more strongly than units or, you know, whether it's people are buying in the outer suburbs, because we do see in a lot of cities, it's the outer suburban markets that are driving these price ranges. Like the fastest growing suburb in Australia this year was Armadale, which is a in, in Perth, which is a, one of the sort of less gentrified and kind of, you know, not as well-respected suburbs in the city, um, in the southeast corner, away from beaches and everything. Um and Armadale went up like 30% this year. So what, I, think, what, I think what we're seeing, yeah, a lot of that. What, what drove that um, spike? Affordability seems to be the thing, and there is infrastructure projects. Um, there's new train lines sort of expanding, um, I think. And, yeah, a lot of just working-class people are kind of, you know, coming into the market. A lot of workers are coming into Perth. And they're getting FIFO jobs, so they're flying up up north. They're spending, you know, two weeks on a mine site. They're not quite as particular, I think, about, you know, where they're living for that week they're back. They just need a home and a base. So that seems to be a little bit of it. Um, yeah. All right, awesome. I guess you, in that property type mix, there's 9% commercial. Has that rate changed over time as well? It has. Um yeah, uh, commercial was at 16% of our sort of, you know, audience's investment intention uh, just 12 months ago, and that slipped back to 9%, um, which possibly reflects like the commercial sectors had a fairly tough uh, 2023 Um with the exception of industrial, certainly retail and office struggled. Yeah. Industrial delivered some good returns. But I think overall, um, yeah, that shift downwards has probably reflected what's happened within the commercial sector. Mm. Oh. That's an interesting one because I feel like we've got more clients 
that are looking for commercial than ever. Um, and again, we, we take these as static static. Yeah. Uh, snapshots of a, you know, a, a client base and ours isn't, isn't enough to to go off. But I feel like it's getting a little bit more traction as well. So maybe the people that are, that 9% a little bit more subscribed to the idea versus in time, people maybe looked at it as an opportunity, but they're reverting back to the detached houses seems more popular from this survey as well. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like if something goes up, something's got to go down when you've got that 100% factor. But anecdotally, a bit like what you said, we find with our readership, um, there was a time where if I wrote a, an article on commercial property that I'd have a fair idea of the readership levels and they wouldn't be overly impressive. Um, and the, the commercial articles are quite frequently in our sort of top 10 articles for the month at the moment. So I think there, there's definitely curiosity in the market and, yeah, whether that's translating to investment is another thing altogether. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Craig, what we'll do is we'll include the link to the Australian Property Investor Property Sentiment Report, which has just come out for quarter four, ending 2023. Uh, I'm excited to see when the next one comes out because we'll get you back on and debrief that as well. So if you're interested, please check that out. Reach out to uh, Australian Property Investor and check out some of the articles they do produce because some good content on there as well. So Craig, I want to say thank you for joining us. Really appreciate your time and and your input. Thank you. Been a great opportunity. Cheers, guys. Thanks, mate. Uh, if you loved it, uh, leave us a review, give some feedback on the episode, what you loved, uh, what you want to see more of as well. Or if you want to tag a friend and, let them, and, and share what's in that report, please do. Until next time, take care. Chat soon.